Okay, we're headed back into Joshua today, so if you'd like to take your Bibles, we walk through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we're in Joshua this morning, Joshua chapter 7. And you kind of need a Bible, we'll put the verses on the screen so you can read along, but we're taking a a story that goes all the way through chapter 7 and chapter 8, so you'll want both of them this morning to see. When I was younger, I'd occasionally go scuba diving. I don't know if you've ever been scuba diving, but once you get past about 60, 70 feet or so, it starts to get kind of dark. And so one time I was down that low and looking, and I could just see lurking out there these shapes moving. Turns out they were sharks. They were nurse sharks, so I wasn't in any danger or anything. But even the fact that they were out there, and so second I could barely see them. I feel like for us as believers, as people in this world, there are things out there we can barely see. We sometimes get so in our Western world, so much into the the specific things I can see and touch, things I can observe scientifically, but there are things going on we know from the Bible that are beyond what we can even understand. And the wonder for you and me as we sit here today and we sing these songs to Jesus and we talk about these amazing things, you and I are holy because we have the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ, if you trust him, whatever Jesus touches becomes holy. We're protected. You know, we who are blind, we start to see. We who are lame, we start to to, to be healed. And we have all these amazing things that begin to happen to us. And sometimes I believe, as we begin to live this life, and life doesn't seem to change, we don't understand how protected we are and what a, a, a world we live in. And the Old Testament helps. It helps to reset our understanding. Sometimes there are things that upset our sensibilities, and this morning is one of them. We get to see, as we look at Joshua 7, Joshua 8, people getting destroyed, and I don't understand. And what I want, I hope you walk out with today, is a deeper understanding, a deeper reliance, a deeper assurance that you are a possession of God if you trust in Jesus. That's how we become God's possession, you and I. And that he cares for us. I want to show you from the text. I want you to see the story. So we're going to do the whole story, then we'll come back to us again. But let's look. It's a story of Achan and Ai. Joshua chapter 7. First, I want you to see God does get angry. He's not just a teddy bear, you know. Here it is, Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of Yahweh burned against the people of Israel. Yahweh, he's our God. He exists. And in this first verse, he gets angry. Now, we know what's happened, right? We were here last week where where the walls fell down. All the people of Israel did was they walked around it once a day for six days, and on the seventh day they walked around it seven times, and and then they gave a shout, but the shout was because it was finished. The Lord brought the walls down, and they took it, and God said, no, you're going to put everything to death there. And the gold and the treasure and the stuff that's valuable, I want you to take, and and now you're going to give it to me. And somehow we're told that didn't happen. And I just make sure you make sure you know 
They don't know. We're told, the reader's told, but in our story this morning, as we start, and the curtain comes up, we're going to see this amazing story of God and his anger, and what happens is the people don't know. They're just tootling right along, and so there it has in chapter 7, verse 2. Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near beth Aven, east of Bethel, and he said to them, go up and spy out the land. And the men went up. They spied out Ai. They returned to Joshua and they said to him, do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people. Now you can say, well, hey, interesting. They didn't ask God and God's the one going before them. But it's not really a negative here. It's not said, oh, they didn't ask the Lord. It just says, hey, they're, they're moving along. They don't realize. Because what they think is God's going before them. Always. They're God's people. God's giving them the land. And there's just this little hamlet up here that we're going to take care of easily and quickly. So send them on up. But it says they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Oh, no. They lost. So then Joshua tore his clothes, verse 6, and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of Yahweh until the evening he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord, Yahweh, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? (laughs) Would that we had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan. O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs on their before their enemies for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it? They will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you do for your great name? Hey, small defeat. It seems like a little thing. And here it's all melodramatic. Is it that big a deal? Yeah, it's a huge deal. God's supposed to go before them and he didn't. They lost. What's going on, Lord? This is about your name. You know, it's only a few times when you take, you took the U.S. Army and they went in the Nooksack Reserves, kicked them out. That would be terrible. Pretty soon, no one's afraid. What's happening? He's not really complaining about God. He's complaining to God. He's in shock. This is an unexpected failure. God says to him, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Joshua, I'm not not against you. I'm going to talk to you here. Listen, Israel, verse 11, has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Oh. They took things that belonged to God. Now God's telling him the same thing that we were told in verse 1. They were taking things that were God's. They were taking things that were devoted only for God. And, 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 and they took them and said, wow, boy, did a bunch of people take a bunch of stuff? What happened? He's talking about all the people, right? He's not saying one. He's saying, hey, this is a problem for everybody. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies. Yep, they just did it. Because they have become devoted for 
destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. If there's this chapter, this chapter is like a pencil. The point of it is right here in verse 12. The heavy piece is right here in verse 12. God says to his people, he says, I'm not going to be with you anymore. In fact, you'll become devoted for destruction. I will destroy you all. So happy I came to church today. This is such an uplifting message. What's going on? What's happening? God is angry, and he's angry at his people because his people have taken things that were devoted to God. But, but, but there, it, doesn't this seem to be that the, the crime doesn't match how angry God is? I mean, I don't want to ruin the story, but you probably already know the story. Some guy's taking a little bit of silver and gold. What's the big deal? We take this, we take this. This little piece says, boy, you know what? Sin is terrible. And sin gets everybody in trouble, has great consequence for everybody. So don't sin, little boys and girls. That's sometimes how we take this. But I want you to hear as we go along what's going on because there's something deeper, right? There's something about being devoted for destruction and being devoted to God some things. And they're special things. So I want, to, I want you to back up for a minute and just think with me for a minute about God and who he is. I want you to think about a God who, who in the Garden of Eden created human beings. Adam and Eve, you remember them, right? The very beginning of Genesis. And, and, and they were his creation. God made them out of the dust. He made them out of, and, and he made them. They were there, and, and he fellowshiped with them. They would be with him in the evening. And, 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 and there he was with his creation that he had made. What happened? Satan came. Satan took that creation and twisted it, right? Twisted it where they sinned and they had to be put out of the garden, man did. God's creation. Unholy. Sinners. If you go fast forward and you hit Genesis 6, then what happens in Genesis 6, you can go read it later, but the story is very interesting and and, and how how these, these beings, these powerful beings are called the sons of God in chapter 6 in Genesis. They came down and they had relations with the, the, the daughters of men. They had kids. They were called the Nephilim. The Nephilim is just a, a, a transliterated Hebrew word and, and really you'd see it kind of as giants. Anakim. And they're related with these particular tribes in Canaan. The Amorites the Hittites, the Hivites. They had these, the, 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 this thing you would think of, this, is, this isn't just like, oh, oh, hey, it's so bad if you, if you covet your neighbor's stuff and you take some of his grain or you do something like that. Bad person, you don't do that. This is something different. This is a shark swimming in the water out there. One that we don't think about very much. That, that somehow these angelic beings, this, these, these demons, these powers. They came down and and they made these perversion. A new creation. They made it. God didn't make it. And, 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 And in there and allied with them in this land of Canaan, there they are. And God, what he did is he raised up his own people. I'm going to restore this. This is what I'm doing. And, and, and he raises up this nation and he's taking them into this land. He's going to give them this land. What is he also doing? He's removing these other people. 
he's doing that. Why is he doing it? Because they're so terrible? No, says Deuteronomy. It's not, they're not worse than you. It's who they're allied with. It's these giants. You remember when the spies went in in numbers and they went in and they spied out the land and they came back, what did they say? They said, well, not, not Jake, Joshua, not Caleb, but the other ten. They said, there's no way we're taking this land. There are giants. They're huge. We can't do this. No way. God says, yeah, way. Stay with me. I'll take you in. You're my people. I'll go with you, and I'll go before you. I'll tear down the walls of Jericho. You just do what I say, because I'm God, and you're not. So there they went. And God said, then they took Jericho. He said, hey, don't take the stuff that's devoted to me. It's special to me, you see. I'm going to use it for me. And instead, instead, somebody, they, did it. Interesting thing is where you see yourself in this story. Don't put yourself there yet. See what God does, though, because God does get angry. He gets angry at this. What? It's a deep thing. There are deep things, you see. There are things that you are difficult even to understand. There are things going on that we don't see now. There are, there are spiritual things that we get just see dimly even to this day. But I'll tell you what, they, they are there. And God goes in front of his people. But his relationship with his people is they'll do what he says. These people of Israel. And somebody hasn't. There's a solution. Here it is. Solution found. In verse 13, we start, Get up, says the Lord to Joshua. Consecrate the people and say, Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says Yahweh, God of Israel, There are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. wonder what they are. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought near by your tribes. The tribe that Yahweh takes by lot shall come near by clans. The clan that Yahweh takes shall come near by households. And the household that the Yahweh takes shall come near man by man. And he who is taken with the, he who is taken with the devoted things shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has. Because he has transgressed the covenant of Yahweh. And because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. See, there's something terrible about this. And the solution's going to be somewhat of, you think, tearing down the walls is a miracle. Here's another one. I'll identify him for you. Clan by clan. Household by household. Man by man. That's what they did. Joshua rose early in the morning. They brought Israel near, tribe by tribe. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought near the clans of Judah. The clan of the Zerahites was taken. And he brought near the clan of the Zerahites, man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And he brought near his household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken. I mean, you can see it, right? That's why, that's why it's written twice like this. You can almost see the massive group come. Oh, these guys. And then that broken down by household come and come back, and come back. And you can think about the man who's in the middle of that, seeing himself being narrowed, and narrowed, and narrowed, and finally, it's you. So Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to Yahweh, God of Israel. Give praise to him, and tell me now what you have done. 
Do not hide it from me. We're all looking at you, gathered around. At this man, what did he do? And Achan answered Joshua, Truly I have sinned against Yahweh God of Israel. Okay, stop right there. I already think this is going to have a good outcome. Why? Because the guy's confessing. Isn't it true? If you confess, God's really kind and he'll be okay. I mean, the guy's going to be okay, right? Just, 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 He's confessing. He's not hiding it now. He's been fingered. He knows what it is. Is this the man? I'm the man, he says. Yes. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver, a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, then I coveted them and I took them. And see, they are hidden in the earth inside my tent with the silver underneath. Don't stand the surface. Here's the surface. Coveting's bad. It is bad, right? Here's steps to coveting. The guy looks, kind of the look is that he really, he really checked it out. Then he weighed, because the shekels, you know, they had to, how does he know it's 200 shekels? I know how much it is. I thought about it. And then he coveted, oh, I want it. And then he took. Coveting's not the issue. Coveting and taking from God is. God's holy things that were his. He did it. Joshua sent the messengers. They ran to a tent. Behold, it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They found it. And then they took him out of the tent and they brought him to Joshua and all the people of Israel and they laid them down before Yahweh. Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah and the silver and the cloak and the bar of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his donkeys and his sheep and his tent and all that he had. He brought him up to the valley of trouble. Surely he's going to forgive him. He confessed. Joshua said, why did you bring trouble on us? Yahweh brings trouble on you today. And all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire and stoned them with stones. What? They raised over him a great heap of stones that remains to this day. Then Yahweh turned from his burning anger. Therefore, to this day, the name of that place is called the Valley of Trouble of Achor. Okay, so you don't want to miss how how it's laid out. God is angry. That's the most important thing about the whole piece at the beginning. God is angry. It comes out that the anger means he will not be with his people. He'll destroy them. He'll get a new people. And at the end, the anger is turned away. How is it turned away? By destroying. By giving it back over to God. By saying, hey, here it is. It's yours. Are there going to be more consequences? Is God really okay with them if his anger's turned away? If his anger's turned away, is he now for them again? What's going to happen? Well, that's why the story doesn't stop. It keeps going. You actually see them have success. Let's go through that, and then we'll talk a little more. Because it says, And the Yahweh said to Joshua, Do not fear. Don't be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I've given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and his king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city. 
behind it. Man, too bad Aiken couldn't just wait till the next place. Now they can take the stuff. Now God's with them. He says, yeah, I'm going to give you the city. Of course. So Joshua and the fighting men arose to go up to Ai. Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor, sent them out by night, and he commanded them, behold, you shall lie in ambush against the city behind it. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you remain ready. And I and all the people who are with me will approach the city. And when they come out against us, just as before, we shall flee before them. We're going to act like we're afraid. They will come out after us until we've drawn them away from the city, for they'll say they're fleeing from us just as before. So we'll flee from before them, and then you shall rise up from the ambush and seize the city, for Yahweh your God will give it into your hand. And as soon as you have taken the city, you shall set the city on fire or burning. You shall do according to the word of Yahweh. See, I have commanded you. So Joshua sent him out. They went out to the place of ambush. They lay between Bethel and Ai to the west of Ai. But Joshua spent the night among the people. And and he rose early in the morning, mustered the people. They went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people to Ai. And all the fighting men who were with him went up and drew near before the city. They encamped on the north side with a ravine between them and Ai. He took about 5,000 men. He set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai to the west of the city. See, this place was so small, it seems like you couldn't actually get 30,000 people in ambush. You had to... He had only 5,000 would fit. So they stationed the forces, the main encampment that was north and the rear guard to the west. But Joshua spent the night in the valley. And as soon as that king saw this, he and all his people, the men of the city, they hurried. They went out early to the appointed place toward the Arabah to meet Israel in battle. He didn't know there was an ambush against him behind the city, an ambush God had set up. Joshua and all Israel pretended to be beaten before them. They fled in the direction of the wilderness. So all the people in the city were called together. Everybody, come on, let's go get Israel. We got him. As they pursued Joshua, they're drawn away from the city. Not a man was left in Ai or Bethel who didn't go out after Israel. They left the city open. They pursued Israel. So then Yahweh said to Joshua, stretch out the javelin that's in your hand toward Ai, for I will give it into your hand. Joshua stretched out the javelin that was in his hand toward the city. The men in ambush rose quickly out of their place. As soon as he stretched out his hand, they ran, they entered the city, they captured it. They hurried and set the city on fire. So when the men of Ai looked back, behold, the smoke of the city went up to heaven. They had no power to flee this way or that, for the people who fled to the wilderness turned back against the pursuers. And when Joshua and all the city saw the ambush had captured the city, the smoke of the city went up, then they turned back and they struck down the men of Ai. And the others came out from the city against them. They were in the midst of Israel, some on this side, some on that side. And Israel struck them down until there was left none that survived or escaped. But the king of Ai they took alive. They brought him near Joshua. And so when Israel had finished killing all the inhabitants of Ai in the open wilderness where they pursued him, and all of the last of them had fallen by the edge of the sword, then all Israel returned to Ai and struck it down with the edge of the sword. And all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. Joshua didn't draw back his hand with which he'd stretched out the javelin until he had devoted all the inhabitants of Ai to destruction. That's why you're reading and reading and reading. Do you see the story? Do you see how it's linked already? The story just goes straight through. This this scene starts in chapter 7 and ends the end of chapter 8 because now you have 12,000 people devoted to destruction. God is killing them. He's instructing his people specifically. I get offended, don't you? Why? All the women? 
What's going on? This is our God? This is our God. He's not done. Only the livestock and the spoil of that city. Israel took as their plunder, according to the word of Yahweh, he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai, and he made it forever to be a heap of ruins, as it is to this day. And he hanged the king of Ai on a tree until evening. And at sunset, Joshua commanded, and they took his body down from the tree. They threw it at the entrance of the gate of the city, raised over it a great heap of stones, which stands there to this day. And, and if you're a reader at all, now you see two heaps of stones. One is a heap over Achan. Because he took and acted like all these people. He tried to, to touch and manipulate and create himself and grab for himself the things that were God's. That's the very reason God's going and taking out these people is that they're, they're allied against him. They're a new creation. They're something that they want for themselves not to be his. And that's these people of Ai. You can look at him, he says. We serve a God who's uncomfortable, you know. We are, are in a family where we have an actual God. It, if he were me, he would be different. He's not me. Your God doesn't think like you. Your God knows way more than you or me. I have these things that makes me uncomfortable because what I can't see, I don't see the sharks swimming. I don't see the stuff going on out there. I only see right here and, and the things that seem to be me. And so I guess the question, if we're going to be people who mostly are focused on ourselves, is how do I stay right with God? Because he kills people. How do I stay right with God? He gets angry. This is the answer from Joshua. Look at it with me. Because it says at that time, Joshua built an altar to Yahweh. Because they would be freaked, I think. We got to keep this right. We got to stay right. We got to make sure we're right. Because if we don't stay right, you know what God's going to do? It includes stoning and fire. I thought this was a story just about good Israel and bad people out there. And the God who is with good Israel is getting rid of the people out there who are bad. But now they're kind of the same. At that time, Joshua built an altar to Yahweh, the God of Israel, on Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel, as written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. You go make an altar that's nothing to do with anything you've made. And they offered on it burnt offerings to Yahweh and offered sacrifice peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, Joshua wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he'd written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as native-born, with their elders and officers and judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of Yahweh, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of Yahweh, had commanded the first to bless the people of Israel. And afterwards he read all the words of the law, the blessing and the curse according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel and the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. The curtain comes down. That's the end. 
Next week is a different topic. What are they doing? I want to be right with God. How did they do it? I keep the covenant. What's the covenant? The law of Moses. See, see, God gave us instructions on how we're going to see this holy God. And guess what? He's really holy. And if I, if I do something wrong, if I start having coveting and I do something wrong and do that and I touch something, I might touch the wrong thing. I might touch something that will kill not just me, but all my family. I might touch something that will not just kill me, but all my tribe. Everybody I know, it's just so terrible and frightening what can happen around a holy God. So guess what? We're going to, we're going to keep this covenant. And so they lined up, and you know, right? You've heard this, how they, on one side, they yelled the blessings of if they obeyed Yahweh, all the blessings they would have. And on the other side, the curses of if they didn't obey God, this God, all the curses that would happen to them. And I just imagine them thinking of stoning and fire. Did it work? That's what you got to ask, right? This is a story from a long time ago. This is the covenant they had. This is the agreement they had with this God, who's our God. And so it's so tempting. It's so tempting that you might put yourself where they are. It's so tempting that you might put yourself in the shoes of the the people of Israel and say, you know what? I will listen to the blessings and the cursings and I'll make sure I do the blessing stuff so that I don't miss the cursing stuff and and I will do it and I will make it. And that's, that's how we stay right between this very scary God who's out doing things supernaturally that I can't even understand. It didn't work, right? They didn't stay in the land. They eventually got kicked out. Eventually you have the New Testament where, 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 where we have this writing that there's not a single person that will get anywhere by keeping the law. No one. And yet this is the way. This is the way. This is the rules. This is the edifice we build. This is the thing we say, if you keep these things, then this holy God will be kept at bay. And, and eventually it doesn't work. Why? Because we're not holy. We're not righteous. And we mess up. Say, well, God's just a bundle of love. If I just ask forgiveness, he's going to do. Tell that to Achan. It's not about God being a bundle of love. Although he is love. It's about our understanding of what we're under. Right? This story should push you to realize that you are engaged in something that's way deeper than you understand. There are things going on in the economy of God with principalities and powers beyond your kin. We don't understand it all. We cannot. And yet, God, who saw that his people would never be righteous by keeping these rules, made a way, didn't he? We're not in this old covenant. As beautiful as it was, there's a new covenant. It's the covenant we celebrate every other week when you and I, we partake of communion together. We take in the broken body. We, we, we take in the blood. I should say the given body. Jesus gave his body, didn't he? We say, I no longer hope in the keeping of this law to make myself right before this God. We now say, I put all my hope in the holiness and righteousness of Jesus Christ who did it all. Who on the tree, on the Calvary, he, he shed his blood so, so that now my hope is there. My hope is not in whether or not I covet. That's not even going to get God angry at me anymore. God's not angry at me. Why isn't he? Not if I trust in Jesus. Because the whole way to God is through Christ alone. This covenant didn't work. 
The reality of God in his holiness, the reality of God in his supernatural power, the reality of God in all the things that he's doing that are just amazing and mind-blowing. And Don't mess it up, guys. Don't get out of that zone of protection. But the only zone of protection you have, it's not your works. It's your Savior. This is the new covenant. This is why they ended with their reaffirmation of the covenant. And so we today, we stand, you and I do, on the affirmation of the covenant of God for us. What is it? It's the Sunday school answer. His name is Jesus. And if you believe this, if you walk away today going, I trust in Jesus, do you know that Jesus Christ, what he touches, he makes holy. It's no longer about how great a dad you are. It's no longer about how great a worker you are. It's no longer about how many of the Ten Commandments you keep. It's not about that. It's about the trust you can have in saying, I trust Jesus. Because you know what? You covet. Why do I say that? Because James says you covet. Because Jesus says you covet. I get angry unrighteously. I murder in my mind when I I get angry at my brother when I shouldn't. All these things disqualify me. And, 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 And if what it is is God says, hey, it's just about your behavior, I'm going to hell. Me. But if I say I trust in the new covenant, then I trust in this almighty God who brings me into his family by Jesus Christ. I'm believing in something radical. And it's so radical that it starts to birth in me gratitude that I might respond freely in ways that are amazing. So I, I call you today from this story to walk out with assurance that in Jesus Christ, you have been given righteousness. You have been made holy. You are God's people. You are protected forever. No matter what your body feels like, no matter what your eyes tell you, no matter what happens, you have this testimony of Scripture that God is an angry God towards those outside who are against Him. But you've been brought near by Jesus. And anybody can be. Tell other people. This is the best news you could ever, ever give somebody. There's an escape. His name's Jesus. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for this passage. It's a, it's a difficult one for me in my Western thinking. I don't like to see people killed. Lord, you know it. But Lord, we bow before you. Lord, you are the holy God. Lord, you are the one who makes things right. Lord, we don't. Forgive us, Lord, that we cannot see and that we trust so poorly. But, Lord, we do this morning. We affirm our trust, our desperate need for Jesus Christ. We thank you that he went before us. We thank you that through him we get adopted. We thank you that we get to be yours. We who don't deserve it, not even for a minute. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.